If you are an unpermitted mobile food vendor, it's $1,000. I mean, a $1,000 fine is pretty much somebody's paycheck for, if not the week, for the month, right? What it does is it creates a cycle of debt. It traps people in a cycle of poverty um, because then what, what do you expect a, a street vendor who doesn't have a permit to do? Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Street vendors across New York City have faced significant opposition from the city for decades. It started back in the 70s, when powerful voices from within the commercial real estate community opposed street vendors, an industry made up of mostly immigrants and people of color. They leveraged a cap to be placed on the number of licenses available, and it hasn't been lifted since. As a result, although there are around 20,000 street vendors in New York City today, there are only 853 general vendor licenses in circulation. The waitlist to get one is 12,000 names long, and it's been closed for years. In short, the vast majority of New York City street vendors are left with no other alternative but to work illegally. Then, last year, former Mayor Bill de Blasio passed legislation Intro 1116. Upon first glance, it seemed to be a major step in the right direction, but it felt short of making a huge impact. Because even though 4,000 new licenses were promised, they won't all be in circulation until a decade from now. And even after all of the new permits are doled out, more than three-quarters of New York City street vendors will still be forced to operate illegally. That's why so many are pushing to get the street vending industry decriminalized, and they continue to fight for new laws. State legislation S-1175 and A-5081, to be specific. And the Street Vendor Project, which is part of the Urban Justice Center, is fighting right alongside them. Today, I'm speaking to Karina Gutierrez, the deputy director of the Street Vendor Project, about what obstacles New York City street vendors are really facing and why we should join in advocating for them. Now, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. Find out about the biggest ideas in business on McKinsey's Insights app, where you can listen to podcasts like our flagship show, The McKinsey Podcast. We're so not tuned in to the dynamic going on for the current employees. What matters to them most? Or watch our author talk series featuring law professor Dorothy A. Brown. 60% of Black college students don't graduate. And when I came across that statistic, I got so depressed and read lots of articles about, for example, The Next Normal, where you can learn about the coronavirus's latest impact on business. To hear, see, and read more, download McKinsey's Insights app now. Now, back to the show. Here's my conversation with Karina. So SVP is a membership-based organization of about 2,500 street vendors, folks who work across the five boroughs of New York City, selling both fresh produce and hot, hot prepared food and merchandise, keeping our streets lively and you know, providing essential needs to New Yorkers and their communities. As an organization, we do a mix of both uh, legislative advocacy, we also do leadership development, and provide legal services as well. 
I found an article that said that street vendor tickets were on the rise. So would you mind telling me a little bit more about that? Street vendors for a very long time have been subjected to outdated and discriminatory laws that essentially make it next to impossible for anyone who's become a street vendor within the last 10, 20 years to become a uh, a street vendor in a way that the city considers legal. Um, The reason for that is that there was a cap placed on the number of permits and licenses available to both general vendors, people who sell merchandise and mobile food vendors back in the 70s and 80s during a time when there was frankly a lot of a lot of strong powerful voices within the real estate community that wanted to remove street vendors from city streets and saw this entire industry this population that's primarily immigrants and people of color saw it as something that was bringing down property values and so there was a, a large push to limit the number of permits and licenses available at that time and so what we're seeing now is especially in you know, the pandemic that we're in, um, many people who had lost their jobs have turned to street vending as a way to survive. Uh, people who are excluded from government relief and also lost their jobs as well, many have turned to street vending um, to be able to feed their families. And then there's still the crisis of pre-pandemic times where no vendor has been able to, to legalize their businesses. And so people are, are still receiving um, tickets and fines for that. And um, I know it's technically been a year since there was a switch from the NYPD to the Department of Consumer Protections. So how has the past year been like? Has it been mostly positive? Yeah, so um, starting in about June of this of 2021, um, DCWP began as the you know centralized office of street vendor enforcement and really began conducting enforcement. But the crux of the matter is like, even if they're doing their job really well, right? They're not able to actually tell someone, here's how you fix it, right? They're going out and giving tickets for not having a permit or license without providing a way for somebody to fix their, their status, right? And so the transition has been very difficult for vendors because, you know, the NYPD is still continuing to give tickets now in addition to the DCWP. And so it has been very difficult for vendors. And do you think the switch was a good solution? You know, I think this was something we have advocated for, was for there to be a civilian office of street vendor oversight, right? An office that's not just doing enforcement, but is also doing education, that's also doing trainings, um, really treating street vendors as the small businesses that they are and providing support beyond enforcement, right? There's no street vendor small business program. There's no... um, how to get your permit or a license. There's no how to grow your business programs for street vendors, right? Those are really the things that are missing. However, the opportunity for there to now be a office of street vendor enforcement that's civilian rather than law enforcement has been, is a positive change. And it's something we continue to advocate for them to really be be the main agency as they should be. There's a big difference between somebody giving a ticket uh, and, and like as a civilian agent, then someone who's giving a criminal violation for street vending that can further can hurt somebody's potential immigration status, leaves a permanent record. You kind of answered my next question. Like, what was the difference? Like, what kind of interactions happened with NYPD versus Department of Consumer Protections? Yeah, so I think with NYPD, we did see still very heavy enforcement and a lot of it was you know, it was not just tickets, but it's also impacting people's records, potentially impacting their immigration status. 
And there was also many, many more incidents of people um, having their property confiscated. There's awful stories and videos of people having an entire like thermos of Champorado just poured out in front of them, an entire day's labor and investment thrown away, carts thrown away. So I would say from that perspective, in terms of the property confiscation, DCWP has definitely been um, more respectful of the businesses. Do they usually get fined with the, along with the ticket? Like, how does that work? So there are a few blanket fines that you just can't, that you can't fight in court. Um, you just have to pay. If you are an unlicensed general vendor, it's $250. If you are an unpermitted mobile food vendor, it's $1,000. If you're both unpermitted and unlicensed as a food vendor, it's $2,000 total. I mean, a $1,000 fine is pretty much somebody's paycheck for, if not the week, for the month. $2,000 fine, even worse, right? This, what it does is it creates a cycle of debt. It traps people in a cycle of poverty because then what what do you expect a, a street vendor who doesn't have a permit to do, right? They can't fix their situation by getting a permit. Um, so what are they going to do? They're going to go back out and work, right? To try to make up enough money to pay off that ticket. In the meantime, they may get another ticket for their work, which then adds on to it. If they continue to get fines and are unable to pay them, that could be turned into a delinquency. Um, so it really does trap people in a cycle that they can't get out of. Would you mind explaining the difference between unpermitted and unlicensed? For general, so for people who sell merchandise, you need to have a general vendor license, which means in order to get it that you are, you have an apartment that you can you can claim that you live in. You have some sort of proof of identification. You have a sales tax ID registered with New York State. However, there's a cap in place here. You can't even get on the waiting list. So if you are not a military veteran and you would like to be a, a general vendor, you there's no way to do so. There's absolutely no way to get a, there's just no way to get a license, right? There's only 853 total in circulation for all of New York City. And the wait list itself, which has 12,000 names on it, has been closed for, for ne- nearly a decade. And then for mobile food vendors, you need to have um, both a license and a permit. And so for mobile food vendors, the license means that you've taken Department of Health safety, like food safety courses. You also have a New York State um, sales tax ID, and you also have either an ITIN number or a social security number in order to get that sales tax ID. And then the secondary thing you need, if you want to be running your own business, you need to have a permit for that unit. And then this is where the issue is that there's only about 2,900 total citywide mobile food vendor permits. That also itself has been capped. You also cannot get on the wait list because it's been closed for over a decade. So in the past couple decades, if you want to become a mobile food vendor and run your own business, open your own business up, the only way to get a permit um, is to rent one on the underground market, which means somebody who got the permit back in the day, in the 80s, who got it when there was when the waitlist was open or when it was easier to get a permit and then that person still holds on to it and rents it out to somebody else that's not allowed right it's it's different than the taxi medallions for example so you're not actually allowed to rent out the permit to anybody but people do it anyways it goes unchecked i would say the majority if not all of the food trucks or carts that you see across the city have a rented permit 
And the cost of that is usually between twenty to dollars to $30,000 every two years. And what's the maximum amount of tickets that a vendor can get? So there was, there's a member of ours who works near Hudson Yards, and he's somebody who has his permit. He has his license. Yes, he rents his permit from somebody else, but he has it there. He's following all of the rules and regulations, but Hudson Yards, related companies, the company that runs that, that complex does not like him there because they don't think street vendors are part of the New York City they want. Right. So they have private security guards who every single day call the NYPD on him, um, even if he's doing absolutely nothing wrong. Right. The issue is the system of street vending is so complicated and so designed for vendors to fail that, for example, he got a ticket for not showing his mobile food vendor license across his neck in a way that's visible. It was in his pocket. So it wasn't in front. And that was a ticket. Right? He had a box on the ground because he was unloading things from his car and bringing them in. That's when the NYPD was there. He got a ticket. So it's, it's really um, a punitive system that exists even if you're doing everything right, rather than what we really, you know, as an organization, what we advocate for, in which if you talk to a lot of New Yorkers too, the first thing people are going to say if you ask about street vendors is, I love my street vendor on my corner, right? Like I've known them since I grew up, or they make me feel safe when I walk home at night. Or even talking to a tourist who's coming, right? Who says, oh, I want to like take a photo with a pretzel in front of Times Square because that's the, that's the image of New York, right? So as an organization, we're really, and, and those who advocate for street vendors as well beyond SVP is, is for there to actually be investment in the industry, for people to have the ability to grow their businesses and for people to just acquire the basic business licensing that they need, have access to that, right? Bring down that barrier to entry that's preventing um, a population of primarily immigrants and people of color from actually investing in a business. I also spoke to Sonia Perez, who has been a street vendor for 25 years. Sonia doesn't have a permit and explained why intro 1116 leaves people like her in the dust. What is this? They are laughing at us because there are more than 20,000 unlicensed street vendors in New York City. They will designate 400 permits that will be given each year for 10 years for a total of 4,000 permits. For 20,000 vendors? That is not fair. I would like New York City to know that street vendors are hardworking people and we want the opportunity to have our work be visible because street vendors are important. Street vending is just as important as construction work or restaurant work. We're small businesses, but we are not seen. There's a number of ways you can help support New York City street vendors like Sonia. You could start by getting your local leaders behind S1175 and A5081 bills. Like we heard today, if street vending is decriminalized, undocumented and unlicensed street vendors wouldn't have to worry about tickets and fines affecting a path to citizenship. 
and by adding more permits, vendors will be able to operate legally, paying taxes, and follow city rules and regulations. There's links to the Street Vendor Project's Instagram where you can find your senator and assembly member. They also have a sample script you can use if you plan to call them. You can also support the Street Vendor Project by donating online. We've included all of this information in our show notes as well. Of course, another easy way to support your local vendors is to simply show up, wear a mask, bring cash, tip well, and just say hey. Finally, before we go, a new weekly segment with our community manager focused on COVID-19 here in New York City. Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's Daniel LaFlaz again with our COVID question of the week. Recently, we've gotten some questions about Mayor Eric Adams' announcement that unvaccinated city workers now have a deadline to submit their proof of vaccination or leave the job. So when is the deadline and who does it apply to? In short, New York City employees need to get vaccinated by February 11th. That's this Friday, people. So who we're talking about is police officers, firefighters, and other city employees. The municipal workforce vaccine mandate took effect in the fall. And since then, 3,000 individuals who decided not to get the jab have been on unpaid leave. It's these workers, along with a small number of new hires, who will be affected by the cutoff. This February 11th deadline doesn't apply to workers who asked for religious or medical exemptions. And right now, it's unclear what the future holds for this group. But what we do know is that the mayor has emphasized he wants people to get vaccinated. And he believes the fastest way to get the economy open is for us to have a safe environment. But whether you're a city employee or not, it's never too late to get vaccinated. And when it comes to finding an appointment, we are the experts. If you need help, send us a note at vaccine at epicenter-nyc.com or follow the link in our show notes. If you can't find an answer to your questions, you can always reach out to me directly at daniel at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at epicenternyc.com to stay in touch. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on our website, linked to in our podcast description.